0: Chapter 11 of Helen Lester. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J.L. Helen Lester by Pansy. Chapter 11 Captain Fred Gains a Victory. The long winter came and went away again almost before the busy little girls knew it. Mr. Lester and his family removed to their town homes. The all-important question of blue bonnets and white feathers, or pink bonnets and black feathers, had been decided in favor of the blue and white, and Louise and her friend Claire nodded their plumes back and forth to each other as they met in Broadway or the park. Another prize for composition had been offered in the school, and Helen won it. And now the beautiful spring days began to come again, and very early in the season the family came back to locust shade, every one of them glad to get away from the city. Helen was going on steadily and quietly, having her little troubles, but carrying them all to Jesus. You would not have known her for the same little girl. At least her schoolmates said they could not. Cornelia said she never knew anyone to improve so fast, and her mamma told her that she was growing to be a great comfort. Even Papa noticed that some way Helen's face was brighter and happier looking now than it used to be, less often in a frown. He often called her "sunbeam" nowadays. As for Fred. You have seen that whatever he did was done promptly. He had taken a bold stand among the boys at school. They found him as full of fun and frolic as ever, only the frolic must be of the right kind and at the right time if they wanted him to join them. So Fred was captain still, and with most of the boys a great favorite. He and Will Fletcher had never been very good friends. They were rivals in their studies, both smart boys, both eager to lead their classes, and a good deal of envy had sprung up between them. The class to which Fred belonged had all been hard at work one afternoon in a difficult lesson in Virgil. Nobody could read it so as to make sense. Fred carried his book home and worked faithfully all the evening. He could not get it out. Twice he started, determined to go to Cleveland for help, and both times came back, newly resolved to work it out alone. Once during the evening, Cleveland opened his door and glanced in. Hard at work, he asked. Fred nodded without raising his eyes from his book. Do you need any assistance? Yes, very slowly. No, in a bold tone. Then he laughed. Thank you all the same, Cleveland. I understand, said his brother. You will conquer it. And he did. It was late when he closed his book, but when he did so, a carefully written translation of the troublesome lesson lay between the leaves. He showed it to Cleveland the next morning. His brother read it and returned it. Good, Fred, there are one or two rough passages, but I will not point them out to you, lest some of the boys should think you had help. Sure enough, when the professor commended his reading of the difficult passage, Will Fletcher said sneeringly, Some boys have learned brothers, and some don't. The teacher turned to Fred. Did you have help, Lester? No, sir. I showed the translation to my brother this morning, and he said there were rough places in it, but he would not tell me what they were for fear somebody would be mean enough to think he helped me. At recess, he stood near enough to Will Fletcher to hear him say, The parson wants us to swallow the story he told in Virgil this morning, but I'll be hanged if I'm not too old to do it. Fred's eyes flashed, and he looked very fierce for a moment. Then he bit his lip and turned on his heel and walked away. During the afternoon recess of that same day, the algebra class gathered around their teacher's desk. No, he said, smiling in answer to their eager questions. No, I'll not help any of you until you come to the class. If any of you are successful before that time, you're at liberty to help your neighbors if you wish. A second time that day, Fred was successful. Only 15 minutes before the bell for recitation, he laid down his pencil and gazed with satisfaction on a long row of figures. The work was right. Now came his trial. The very next desk to his right was Will Fletcher's, and Will was bending with knit brows over his slate looking every moment more and more perplexed. For a moment he hesitated. He had worked the problem for himself. Why not let Will do the same? Then, if he couldn't get it, he would be where he had been wanting to be for the last six weeks, at the head of his class. Then he smiled. It was queer, but just then he thought of the story of Joseph, told by Helen on that Sabbath afternoon so long ago, of his comments on the words that his brother repeated, Do unto others as ye would that they should do to you. He leaned forward and touched Will's arm, slipped a paper on his desk, and, pointing to the several parts of the work with his pencil, went through a dumb show of conversation, which boys understand so well, and finally pointed to the answer. Will stared at it with a bewildered face, then nodded and smiled, dashed off a string of figures on his slate, and the work was done, and at that moment the class bell rang. When their teacher inquired whether any of them had succeeded, only two in the class arose, Will at the head and Fred beside him. Did you work on the problem without assistance, he asked Will. No, sir. Lester gave me some ideas in the puzzling part. Well, Lester, who gave you some ideas? Fred laughed. I think I blundered into it, sir. I was working away at it, and suddenly it came around all right, and I understood it. Fred had started for his father's office that evening when he was overtaken by Will Fletcher. Well, Parson, said Will, you did me a good turn today, and I'm sure I'm obliged to you. Will still continued to call him Parson. Fred's cheeks used to flush and his eyes flash whenever he heard the word, but as Will seemed very friendly sometimes, he concluded after a while that the name didn't hurt him after all. "'You're quite welcome to all the help I gave you,' he said in answer to Will. "'I didn't do a very handsome thing by you this morning, I must say. Why didn't you flare up and pitch into me?' "'One reason was because I thought it wasn't worthwhile. I knew you didn't believe a word of what you said yourself. You knew I wouldn't tell a lie for all the lessons in creation.' But that wasn't the great reason. Fighting a thing through is not the rule I go by nowadays, you know. Well, hang me, Parson, if I don't think your rules a pretty good one after all. Sometimes I have half a mind to try it myself. You'll never regret it if you do. Never, said Fred, halting at the corner where he was to turn. And Will, he hesitated, and when he spoke again, his voice was lower and a little husky. It's what I pray for every day, Will. And he turned and went swiftly down the street. End of chapter 11.